If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT, with Joseph Arthur and his Technicolor Dreamcast. And we're back. You know what? We need the healing arts more than ever. We need healing tones. We need healing music. Healing music is actually pretty big. There's a whole TikTok scene of healing music doing sort of special tunings. 432, that's supposed to be the God tuning or the beautiful symmetrical shapes that the sound waves make. But then somebody else told me it was demonic. You never know. There's always a black pill and a red pill and a white pill about every pill that <laughs> it's 440 is bad. No, 432 is the one. No, oh, no, 432 is secretly demonic. Who knows? I don't know. 532, that's the one that's good. These are frequencies uh, for those that don't know what I'm talking about. But my next guest, he's an expert in all these things, so he's going to clarify what is the real tones, and he's going to play some lovely healing music for us. This evening, his name is Eric Fowler. He's an American guitarist, singer, songwriter, composer, and producer who is best known as a member of the musical group Boxing Gandhi's. Fowler is featured is a featured musician on many popular recordings by artists such as Sting, UB40, Roseanne Cash, Taylor Dane, General Public, Clint Black, and Kelly Price, amongst others. Um, and it's his birthday today. So happy birthday, Eric, and welcome to the show. How are you on this uh, auspicious occasion? Thank you, Joseph. Awesome. Thank you. And I have to introduce my wife, Colette. Um, she's been married we've been married i should say she's been married to me <laughs> Oops, Freudian slip. Yeah. she's been married this whole time <laughs> it's a that's another show different show that's a, that's a different show. all right we won't go there <laughs> <laughs> we've we've almost been married for at least half of as, as long as we've been alive right that- yeah. wow colette nice to meet you nice to meet you too joseph and so you guys have some children together or a child? How many? They have three. three. Wow. Yeah. 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 Three big ones now. How old are they? 16, 18, and 25. Incredible. What's it like? I mean, you guys made it. I have a two and a half year old daughter. And so I feel like anyone who has made, who's brought their child all the way to 18 has won. And so you guys have basically <laughs> done that with all three how did you do it and what oh. advice would you give me <laughs> oh boy um well i think one big thing that i stand by is to focus on connection more than correction mm. so that's you know, huge yeah that's a big one because we all have a lot of um we're wired certain ways by how we were raised. And there's certain things that it's like you you can react to things and then you stop and realize, but why am I reacting like this to that? Like really you break it down and you realize, okay, you know what? You know, if, if someone wants to stay connected to you, like your child or your spouse or whomever, they're going to want to do things to stay in alignment with you and in sync with you. If you're always correcting, it's kind of like, you know, it's like, breaking them down so you got to keep building them up there you that's go. so good yeah that's that's beautiful wisdom and it's like sometimes i do have trouble connecting with my daughter and i'll i'll realize that it's actually a thing and she's only two and a half so 
she's starting to speak but it's sort of non-verbal a lot of stuff and sometimes i'll like try to engage with her but she'll be off in her own imagination you know and i like i'll then i'll have to give her space but i'll be trying to facilitate this special connection all the time and i realized that's me being needy like i think i'm trying to connect with her for her which i am but also i like i'm hearing what you're saying that there's also your own weird stuff that gets in the mix of it right totally and sometimes it's just about being together and i mean mm -hmm. you can be side by side coloring you don't have to be talking but you're still right i think connecting just being there together. that's right yeah no i'm aware of it too because now i you know i take care of her like half of the week you know me and her mom split up uh a little while back and so when i'm with her it's just it's straight mr mom like i have her for over 12 hour days and i don't put her in daycare or anything it's just me and a two and a half year old for half of relate. my week <laughs> it's wild it's but it's yeah. awesome and i love it and of course it goes all over the place and you're all you know and you try to put them down for a nap so you can sneak a little work in here and there or whatever but it's it's pretty intense and i'm so super aware of that like connection is the the thing is and, and it's, yes it's fine for us to just to be together we don't have to be talking all the time and we can't talk because she only right. can talk so much really but so anyway guys what do you got a whole array of mu of musical instruments now colette i haven't I, i've had eric on the show a bunch of times but haven't had you on, haven't had the pleasure. So I appreciate this. What what array have you guys designed for us here? Um, what What's the plan here? Are you going to play something for us? Yeah, I, w I mean, we figured at some point we'd get into it. Um, you, you you opened up uh, talking about, you know, the whole music healing thing, which is something that, you know, we've done a lot of research on and, you know, tried to kind of educate ourselves to all the different modalities, um, Colette is so you know that our, our our nonprofit and our our music uh group name is Hugh the Muse so color color your inspiration um this bold just happens to be blue um and these are all tuned to very specific frequencies that correlate or align back to the uh, chakra system in the human body and so you know we've spent a lot of time trying to understand you know those correlations you mentioned 432 um and you know that I, I think the the main thing to understand about 432 because there's a lot of controversy around it you meant you talked about the patterns that get created when you use like sand plates and stuff which is a, a science known as cymatics um, which is essentially you, you just resonate a, a plate that has sand on it and you can watch as the sand organizes itself into different patterns based on the frequency and and you notice differences between 440 versus 432 um, and that's just a reference pitch tuning. So in Western music, A equals 440. That way, whenever you go anywhere in the world, everybody's tuned to 440, you're going to play in tune. Um, but Pythagoras, I think it was, um, established this whole sacred yeah. mathematics, sacred geometry, where the 432, there's some interesting patterns that um, you you see that, that play out when things are in that 432 uh, tuning as opposed to 440. And so spent a lot of time just trying to understand that. It's hard to get bowls that are tuned exactly how you want them. But, um, you know, the, the idea is, is, you know, rooted in that, that, that mathematic principle um, 432 that is. So um, 
Yeah, and I wanted to add, so when he's talking about the sand plates, so when you watch the sand, the sand react on the tuning plate to um, the different frequencies. So when it's on 432, it makes like a crisp fractal, basically. So a beautiful geometric pattern. And when you then change that tuning that to 440, it dissipates those clear lines so it's an interesting you know thing to watch it go a little bit more chaotic um and so it's that's why it's it's the sound of nature essentially is what uh that's like mathematics and, and mathematics and magnetics but it's the same pattern that you know they'll you'll you'll see like fractal patterns in nature and it, it kind of you know plays across that that idea and, and color also has a lot to do with this so um you'll you know people that have um they see sound as color um you know there's this whole science around just color and sound that again you know humans react um very strongly to sound humans react very strongly to color bring those two things together and you start to get you know in a space where you can really influence physiology i mean there's a whole medical science around um, vibration and sound um to help try and break up you know, tumors and blockages in the human body, just, you know, to give you an idea of, you know, some of the possibilities, but yeah, it's pretty amazing. And then also um, meditation, um, you know, using, using sound to kind of guide your brain or quiet your brain or lead your brain, you know, to different places to relieve anxiety and stress and those sorts of things. There's all kinds of YouTube videos about like healing frequencies and all this other kind of stuff. Five, I forget five not 532 but maybe 518 i can't remember are different frequencies and then they're the healing ones and i don't know it's 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 strange man there's a lot of controversy around 432 and a lot of conspiracy like uh, you know you hear about oh in world war ii it was hitler that wanted it to all be 440 because that's right. aggressive and i mean i've heard producers um, tom rothrock is a friend of mine and he said that he thinks a lot of musicians have early came to early their early demise as a result of 440 and then you have other people saying like that's all hogwash it doesn't really matter and then i've recently heard oh 432 turns out it's demonic like <laughs> it's so much information come and this is just in music and what you're tuning your a to think about that i mean not that it's not important it really is important it's music um, but if you think about it, just even in that realm, there's so much controversy and argument and people that they're sure they're right. There's division even amongst stuff like this, right? Yeah, I mean, there's some popular songs that if you check, you'll see that they're in 432. I think uh, In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins is at 432. Nah. I think there's a Tears for Fear bon song. Bonavir is in 432, a lot of his stuff, I've, I remember. Yeah, I think Fiona Apple has done some stuff yeah. in 432. Hey, you on my new record, there's at least half of them are 432. There's tons of them in 432. I think I recorded my you. new anthem called Hey Satan in 432. <laughs> I'm thinking about go. calling my album Hey Satan. It's a God <laughs> album, but I feel like the my favorite title right now is Hey Satan um but i think i don't know if that's going to alienate people or not so who knows yeah if you're going towards the healing arts or if you're going towards the you know the religious community you know coming from the god who or from the guy who had a uh, picture you in the sun 
as you're, but it's, you know, make, it's make, hey, God's Satan, the, but it's good. It's, it's, uh, it's coming from the perspective of Adam and he's singing in, in the, the character in the song, uh, is singing to Satan and, and be, and, and talking about what he did. So it's, yeah. it's not like, Hey, Hey Satan, I love you. It's not. That. <laughs> yeah, no, no, of course right, not. Right. Of course not. <laughs> Joseph, you've changed. <laughs> no, I've been keeping up with some of the sneak peeks you've been given to the mixing and stuff that you're doing with your buddy there on the new record. It sounds like it's going to be fantastic. It's cool, man. It's it's definitely well, what Lance says is he's saying, I'm not saying it's the best Christian rock record of all time, <laughs> but it's the coolest Christian rock record of all time. And it might be. It's definitely in the realm of christian rock you could say but it sounds like music you want to listen like it's rocking it's like cool music and by the way if you're a, like i'm not saying all christian music isn't cool to listen to some of it really is but you know what i mean when i say that it yeah. doesn't come off too preachy and and pedantic or you know it's not trying to tell you how to feel or it's not burying the shadow it's it's presenting the shadow of the whole sort of trajectory but when you guys are doing your music together do you think that it helps that you're in a, a marital union or has that been a benefit to the work you've done musically together or has that been something that's gotten in the way well i think actually it's been more of a connection um when all of this came in on more of the healing music side of things was at a time when we needed to connect more musically. And so for us, I think it's been beneficial, at least for me, it's been beneficial um, to connect in a different way because it does, it gets, it gets sticky and tricky when you're in a relationship and you're trying to be creative together and you know, again, all the stuff comes up, right? Um, we all have our different ways of dealing with um, our creativity, our stress and everything else. So, and it's always easiest to kind of not be at our best with the person that we're closest to. So, you know, <laughs> we have to remember to be patient. And um, I uh, think that that take, you know, turning to this has been helpful. What did you want to say? Oh, no, I was just going to say, and, and for, for me as, you know, for, how I've used music, you know, both professionally and personally, it's definitely been an escape. You know, it's, it's a form of, you know, self, self soothing. It's a form of sort of meditation and, you know, and so in the creative side of it too, is also very sort of personal and insular. A lot of times it can be for, you know, depending on the type of uh, composer that you are. I don't know if you saw that movie Maestro, I thought there were, there were a couple of good scenes in there where they kind of talk about, you know, as the creator, you're like, you're, you're in your cave and you're, and you're, you're, you're creating. And that's one part of your music personality. And then you go out and you have to be in front of people on stage and you've got to be this whole other more enigmatic uh, person uh, to, you know, deliver the message of the music. And, you know, it can be, it can be confusing to like, you know, hop between the different versions of yourself as you're, you know, trying to sort of stay, uh, you know, consistent with your practice as you know music is sort of like a a practice like meditation is a practice or yoga is a practice you know you got to be kind of de dedicate those those moments and then you have to find a way to you know kind of move between the different cycles and then bringing someone else into that 
you know, it can definitely be challenged. It's, it's its own practice. <laughs> Collaboration is is its own thing. Yeah, but that's where a good a lot of magic happens. I'm finding that now with my new record and, and working with Lance. It's like, man, it's so much. It's a, it's a bigger it's a bigger level because I I do have the facility and the capability of actually doing everything from myself from beginning yep. to end. But it yep. will miss out on that collaborative edge because I can do everything myself, but I can't do all of the parts myself better better than other people can do some of those parts you know so it's like with collaboration you're right it is it is another art and the thing you're talking about the composer versus the live performer what what thing used to always happen to me was when i'd be working always working on a new record and then have to go on tour and i would hate that transition of having to go from being in the studio i'd be like oh i just want to stay in the studio i'm in the zone and then uh, I don't want to start rehearsing and getting ready for this whole tour. And then as soon as you're out on the road, you're like, thank God I'm out on the road. <laughs> it's like you make you yeah. pass this vortex of fear or something. And then you don't want to leave the road, or at least that's how it used to be back in the day. But oh, let me take well, a quick break. And when we come back, oh, go ahead, Eric. You were going to say something off that. Oh, no. Uh, and, and, uh, go ahead. Let's go to break and then we'll come back and we'll do some. All right. Uh, remember what you're going to say, yeah. though. We'll take a quick okay. break. We'll be right back after these words on TNT. TNT's Mark Morano. Brain implants. Are you ready to have your thoughts read, your mood altered? It's not science fiction. It's not some realm of the future. It's here. It's now. And it's not spectacular. In the case of Emily, the patients actually can record themselves and we're able to analyze it. If I had crippling depression, was suicidal, I'm not gonna turn down a treatment like this. I'm not knocking someone for doing that. What I'm saying is this is really on the edge of a brave new world, especially given corporate government collusion, the great reset goal of taking away freedom, democracy, private property. One of the tenets of the great reset from the World Economic Forum is you will have no privacy and life will never be better. Mark Morano on today's News Talk TNT. Hi. I'm your retirement fear. But don't be scared. You're still in pre-tirement. Pre-tirement? Does that mean I have more time to plan? Precisely. Here, this is pretirement.org. Huh. Retirement savings options? <laughs> Potential tax breaks? Yep. Ooh. Oh, I could build up savings for my side hustle. This isn't scary. I'm doing it. You got this. Visit thisispretirement.org for free resources to help you customize your action plan. Plug in. Website. TNTradio.live. Check it out. Today's News Talk Radio. It's the coolest. TNT. And we're back with Eric and Colette Fowler, who are going to play us some meditation music right now. Uh, I remember Andre 3000 just like a little while ago. I say I remember, but it was only two months ago. <laughs> Thank God I remember. It was only two months ago. He put out an album of just flute music. 
everybody was talking about it the week it came out but the thing with flute music is maybe it's uh you know i don't know if people are still talking about it or not but eric did you hear that because it looked like you're about to play one of those kind of fancy flutes he was playing are you going to play a fancy flute and did you hear andre 3000 so uh Funny story, our good friend, uh, John Now, NAU, uh, worked on that record with Andre. And uh, he, uh, you know, he came back, he's like, you never, you never believe, you know, I just went and went to work with, you know, Andre on some music and he's got all these flutes and he's got, you know, the double barreled flutes where you, they play two notes at the same time. And so, yeah, we got, I, I followed that closely because I was curious, like, well, how are they going to market that? And um, he leaned in full, you know, on that thing. So it's good to see people kind of exploring. And did you know. they market it? I, I heard a lot about it. There was a big GQ piece, a big video yeah. piece. And then I actually listened to some of it. I didn't listen to the whole thing, I will admit. But um, did they market it? And are people still engaged with it? Or do you know anything? I haven't heard if it's charting or what their angle was with it, if they were going after, like, say, the new age market or any of the markets where you probably flute music would would resonate more. But I mean, they, they'd be smart if they if they did go that route. Also, I don't know if they were looking at like a, a pop hit, you know, angle with it. And, but um, right. I, I don't think they were looking for that. You know what I mean? Was, I think it was just, <laughs> yeah. you know, him wanting to be, you know, explore his his artistic creative side. So. Which is totally cool, man. I mean, Brian Eno with Music for Airports. I mean, that's one of my favorite albums. It's I love that album. I listen to that album tons in my life. And it's just like really minimal, minimal music, synthesizer music that's just very minimal and just somehow stunningly beautiful. And, uh, you know, so I think it's played- cool, too. It's like old craft work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, we have a, a, a harp guitar here. Wow. Which has a neat little sound. And then I usually like. idea it's kind of a 
That's great, man. Wow. I really Trancy. felt like I was tripping on acid for a second. <laughs> <laughs> or shrooms. Yeah, shrooms, yeah. Microdosing. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Mango. I've got some ketamine. Have you seen that? <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I like, I, you know, it, it transported me into another place for real, like not making a joke. Like it would definitely was transported. Like it was transformative or it was like transcendent. Trans yeah. Transcendent, but it was transporting me. Is transportative a word? That's what it felt like. It is now. Uh, <laughs> it should be. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's what it felt like. It was amazing. Um, and that was all 432. That was an example of that because I did, I do feel the magic of 432. That was 432, right? That was not 432. That was oh. 440. Only, well, there well, you so go. He, well, then he, it's a scam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no but here's the here's here's the thing with 432 it's just that like if you go over somebody's house and they have a piano and you try to play 432 you're not going to be able to do it so the, the 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 sacrifice that you make when you want to play with other musicians is on what frequency you're going to standardize your tuning so um we come prepared to do both is i guess the point um these bowls are pretty in tune at 440 um, the big bowl, which we just got, is off by about 12 cents. I measured it with my with my tuner, um, but it's not so noticeable that it's dissonant. Um, but I and, wouldn't mind getting it in more. Tuning. And what's the point of sound bowls? I mean, I go to this cold plunge place, and they'll sometimes use the sound bowl, like while people are doing cold plunge. And I guess I've never even really asked, like, what's the whole point of sound bowls? What's the theory behind them? And Colette, next time you guys play a song where you're playing the sound bowls, you got to put the mic more on top of it. Okay. So we could hear right. it more. But tell us, like, what's the theory behind sound bowls? Well, I'll start with uh, the, basically, it's about frequency. So whether or not they're in 440 or 432. So sound travels at gosh, I think it's around 700 something miles per hour. And, um, and so when, so it, tra it can travel through our bodies. And so, and when it hits water, when sound hits water, it actually speeds up. So that's why like, if you put loud sound next to a bowl of water or anything like that, you'll see it start to ripple. And so since our bodies are between 75 and 80% water, the sound actually moves through our cells. So that is kind of the basis behind like the sound bowls create so much, like they send sound ripples out. I mean, everything sends sound out, but the bowls- It's almost like, like filtering it for our body, pre-filtering the sound almost. Yeah, it, well, it resonates through the cells. Like you can feel it when you're, I don't know if you've ever done a, a, a sound bath or anything like that, but it really, there's, there's moments, it's like when feedback hits you and you know how sometimes you feel that moment of like, am I gonna pass out? Because it just sort of goes through your head in that strange way. And so that's the sound traveling through your actual cells. And so of course you try not to make it like that. <laughs> when you're playing the sound bowls because they can get really loud and intense it's trying to keep them in a on key really so and then if, okay. if if you take that a step further and if you know anything about you know the chakra system in the human body there's energy centers um throughout the human body the human body is almost like a a battery 
you know, it's actual electricity that's stored in our bodies. And, you know, the, the theory behind the science, although Wikipedia calls it a pseudoscience, Reiki, you know, this is the science of Reiki, you know, so being able to heal the body, you know, with energy and hands-on and sound and, and those sorts of concepts, um, there are very specific frequencies. And this science dates back thousands of years. So um, they, over the years, have understood and documented which frequencies relate to which energy centers within the body. So if you're really, you know, well aligned, you, you know, there's this thought that, you know, using science, using sound, you can sort of bring all of your energy centers into a very, uh, you know, sort of organized and balanced proper alignment. balanced alignment. Yeah. Well, they also, how do did they find, how do they find out that there are chakras though like i and listen i'm a yogi i go to yoga all the time bikram yoga i'm a christian though too and so i understand that a lot of times christians hear chakra talk and think okay uh oh it's demonic people in the new age i get it <laughs> yeah. but i'm not of that mindset i don't i think some a little of that goes too far i i'm not against chakras and i don't disbelieve it but how who made that up like they're like, you know, the red one down, you know, by the you're private parts. And then there's the purple the one and the yellow one and the green one. And your head's the purple one or whatever it is. But it's like, who yep. made up the colors? How do they know those are accurate? Who made this chakra thing up? And how do we know that we should believe it? Well, it's ancient. So there's the ancient. I mean, on just because it's old doesn't mean somebody didn't make right. it up. <laughs> like, just let it <laughs> That means an old dude made it up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the science itself is consistent across cultures and it's consistent, you know, throughout the ages. I mean, in a lot of the ways that people talk about, you know, astrology as being sort of a pseudoscience and those people who really study it and understand it, you know, there's like you, you, you just you, you look at it and you go, well, there's no way that there's not at least some truth to it. It doesn't have to be an absolute. But um, I, I think, you know, particularly within Asian cultures, um, you know, they've this has been used like the Chinese symbol for medicine. If you look at it is almost identical mm -hmm. to the Chinese symbol for music. And it's because, you know, music, you know, throughout history has been used as a way to heal. And so, you know, going back to how you open the show, I mean, that's, that's really, you know, where we've spent a lot of our focus, you know, and, and Colette also does it through art, like art therapy and just the idea of like trying to inspire people, you know, through trauma or through, you know, things like depression or anxiety by, you know, allowing them to express themselves through different types of art, whether that's painting or you know, crafting or working with plants or, you know, music, music. Yeah, but I think it it's also goes back to sound and just primitive. I mean, even, you know, ancient tribal peoples, the first thing that they were dancing, they were making rhythm, they were singing, they were chanting, you know, and these things were happening across the globe in similar ways of different people. And so, I mean, and I feel like, I mean, bringing it to your divine source, whether that's through Christianity or whatever God is, to you, there's this connection, this primal thing that we all have that we, I mean, even in church, it's like you sing and you feel you're uplifted, you're there's this communal thing that happens, right. And um, I think, you know, people describe that in different ways throughout history. And going back to your chakra thing, I think, you know, cultures who have meditated a lot, 
the you know original praying <laughs> you know it's all meditative right but the uh, yeah, most, I agree the with that. early right um prayer is. is meditation right exactly, exactly. Yeah, and um sure. and there are i mean i th- i don't know if it's just me but i know personally there are times where i'm in that space and i feel really connected and i see colors i see it in my mind's eye and um i think many people do and I see colors in my mind's eye too, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they correlate with those chakras. And by the way, too, right. I'm not saying those chakras aren't real. Like I sort of feel like it is real. Like I tend to believe it, but I'm right. just quite like you know. Like, it just occurred to me that I've never asked anyone like, "Hey, who who proved this?" <laughs> you know, right? Like, well, it's it's like who proved God, right? You know, there's a lot of these things that it's like, does it ring true for you? You know, yeah. does it resonate within you? Um, you know, That's so I, I mean, I'm not necessarily the expert on, you know, exactly if I wanted to make the case for, oh, this was actually here's evidence for this and that. But um, I think it's all about faith and, and being in touch and aligned with yourself and your source. And, and what um, guided you to becoming in, involved in this collab, like this this healing, uh, you know, healing art, he, art therapy, healing music? What what about your life led you to this path? That's a really good question. So, <clears throat> when I was about sixteen, I I met this person I was working with at a bookstore, and um, so going back many years, um, this was at the beginning of the metaphysical new age era in the 80s and she was part of this place called the healing light center in glendale california and some really amazing people would come through there um all the original you know what they were called psychics or like rosalind briere who was this the fbi the cia people from all over the world would actually work with her because she was psychic in a way or connected in a way if you want to call it that to her source god whatever where they could and they were like doing all these experiments with like copper copper rooms things like that they could have her in like this copper room in india and something else going on in this other place and they were able to like transmit messages to her. She could so. do remote viewing and the CIA actually did a white paper on remote viewing that talked mm-hmm. about, have you heard of hemisync, where you induce through binaural beats, the, um, two different sounds, one like synchronized wave uh, audio in your ears, you wear headphones and it, it synchronizes with the left and right hemisphere of your brain and supposedly people who are advanced um, in, in those uh, abilities they've they've documented it with measuring with instruments that can measure the the brain activity like that's in in yogis too like people who are you know who meditate for hours and get to heightened states that's that's what they see is that the brain once you are able to get the brain the the two hemispheres of the brain in sync um, that's when humans can sort of transcend well, the Egyptians had that in their practice as well. Mm-hmm. And an interesting thing about that is also there's a way of playing the bowls that sometimes you can get binaural beats yep. with the bowls as well. Is the premise of the bowls too, like as a meditation ritual, is supposed to take you into those deep states of meditation where you can sort of, I mean, basically it's essentially obliteration of the ego. So you're just in the moment of now with presence. It's like, it's a way of quieting the mind. I mean, that's the same thing as the mantra. And they talk about 
you know, a lot. I even have a song called Repeat the Words I Am because it's based off this guy who wrote I Am That. And he said his uh, guru told him just to repeat the words I am. And that's what he did in his head all day long, every day. He yeah. sold cigarettes on the street. And then finally, by 34, he was just like fully enlightened because he just realized he was I am and nothing more, basically. And that's what seems like the meaning of the bowls, too, really. Yeah. Yeah, it really can bring you within, into your own space. Yeah, if you go to an actual sound healer, we have a friend of ours that does has a sound healing studio, and he's got you know bowls of all types. Um, a couple of them are pretty intense. They're metal. They're you know the metal kind. Like these are the ones that Colette's playing right now are crystal, but he's got large ones that are like you know three the feet. brass amalgam. Yeah, the the this is more metal. And he'll gong them. He'll he'll have you put your feet in them, and he'll gong you and vibrate you from the feet. And then he'll put one on your head and and <laughs> gong it on your head. And it's it's you know so basically. And they place them along your body, so you're laying on a bed, and they'll gong it, you know, for your heart, and they'll just hit it and you know allow the frequency to resonate through your body all the way down all of the chakras. And so that's kind of the the principle mm. of the science is that's is, the principle of gongs too i guess right yes. let me take yeah. a quick break we'll be right back with colette and eric fowler right after these words on tnt with his expert analysis and opinion this is tnt radio's timothy shea who knew that we owed hunter biden such a debt of gratitude hunter testified before the house of representatives today that his serving on the barisma board of directors at $83,000 per month wasn't part of some elaborate political corruption scheme. No! Hunter's a humanitarian. Hunter did it for us. He was there to counteract Vladimir Putin. Leaving aside the fact that boards of directors have absolutely no role whatever in geopolitics, even in Eastern European nations, the idea that Hunter was serving on that board, which he could offer no expertise, had no experience in the industry, the idea that he was doing it to contain Vladimir Putin, that's beyond ludicrous. Hunter, put down the crack pipe, pick up your paintbrush, because you actually do have some talent as an artist, and that seems to be a much more profitable grift with all the money laundering into your artwork than getting these gigs thanks to your father's name and then having to kick 50% up to the big guy. Maybe play to your strengths, Hunter, and, and stop stop embarrassing yourself, son. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for today's News Talk TNT. Last week, Brandon met a girl on a dating app. One day after work, he finally found the courage to ask her out. No answer. He started to panic. Was he being too pushy? Maybe it was too... Hey, sorry I didn't respond. I was driving. I would love to go on a date. How does tonight sound? Brandon tried to play it cool, but inside he knew. A girl so smart, so responsible. She must be a keeper. You're with Joseph Arthur and his Technicolor Dreamcast on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And we're back talking about the healing arts of music and art beyond, I guess, with 
Eric Fowler and his wife, Colette, who is going to do another song for us with healing bowls and a very strange guitar indeed. <laughs> Take it away, Eric and Colette. What do you think? Yeah. Let's do it. Um, so this one's called Stealing Fire. So to our earlier conversation about... Um, you know, how far back does this whole thing with sound science and humans go? And uh, my favorite story is they found a, a flute carved from a bone uh, in a cave in Germany that was dated, I think, 60,000 years ago. So can, if you can imagine 60,000 years ago, some Neanderthal type, you know, got the idea to poke some holes in a, in a bone and blow into it to make sound. And so, I mean, that's that's how long humans have been kind of working on this concept, so. Wow. Shaping our destiny, broken hearts, 
gentle breeze How can I break free? Stealing fire, can't you see? Stealing fire Stealing fire You better cool the hell off Nice. Stealing fire, beautiful. I mean... The harmonies work so well together when you guys sing together. It's a really something special. Oh, thank, thank you, man. Thank you so much. We've been doing it a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do your kids think about your music when they hear you? Do they are they like, oh, mom and dad, stop it, or do they love it, or what? Well, I think all of them are musical. I think, you know, your daughter is going to be musical too, right? It, I think there's something to growing up with it. And I've, we've played shows where each one of our kids, I've, they've been in my belly <laughs> while we've played shows, you know? Um, so yeah, they all sing on key. <laughs> they have great pitch, beautiful voices. Um, our middle daughter um, really is also writing songs and has taught herself how to play guitar and play some piano um, as well. Um, our son has played some ukulele. Our eldest daughter um, can, you know, play little piano and sing along. So they've kind of, but she was the first one to kind of her direction that she went you know the teenager sort of still involved in music but a little bit rebellious she went to dance that was her thing you know still music but dance push comes think, to shove which yeah. kid is your favorite you go first Colette. <laughs> <laughs> oh we can't put that on record <laughs> all right eric you pick that question up which kid you had to pick one no <laughs> i'm just kidding anyway listen um, so but are they into like i mean i'm just like thinking and also now that they're grown and almost out of the house and you guys are empty nesters is are about to be almost, empty nesters yeah. i'm assuming i guess i shouldn't assume that these days it's like kids live uh with their parents until they're at least 45 these days oh, apparently so what <laughs> well we do have a junior and a senior in high school so we're getting close Ooh. for sure yeah yeah. Close. yeah so is that daunting or is that does that feel like oh now we have enough time to like really get the band back together and really go for this is it does it feel like a graduation for you guys as well or is it like oh no what are we going to do now i mean this kind of be a <laughs> trip like all of oh, a sudden completely um i feel like this has been on my mind for a while actually it's like what are we going to do because so much of my life has been um really surrounding the kids taking care of the kids all the time it's like it a, overwhelms your life for sure absolutely you're a taxi driver you're a short order cook you're just every, and everything you're not else. the priority in your own world anymore really absolutely you're on the back burner for yeah. everything and um yeah so i've been thinking about that i'm like well honey like what are we gonna do are we gonna like start doing something else and you know i think that really it's that's been on the forefront of my mind for a while. I'm like, we need to focus on the ways that we connect to each other again, you know, as a couple, I would think that that would be really wild. That part you just mentioned, because, and you know, like it, it's like when you have kids, the relationship between, you know, it's, it's harder to keep it just about the relationship. It becomes about this whole family unit. That's, that's different and then so it recast your own 
intimate relationship, obviously. Yes. And, and your own personal things of, you know, what you want to do, because there's going to be some time to do that. So personally, and as a in, in your relationship, all of it, it's, um, I think that's one of the reasons many times, you know, we're at the age of that where people have their midlife crisis. It's like, well, who am I? What have I been doing all this time? I've been taking care of kids and, you know, trying to do other stuff. But yeah, I think we are definitely looking down that chute right now. So we're going to travel. We're going to meet you in France. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're traveling so, this summer. Is it, is it, are you, Eric, are you guys planning, like when Colette brings this up, do, or is this like something you guys spend time talking about? I mean, how... Have you made the marriage work for so long? That also is such an achievement in this day and age. It's a topic people talk about all the time. I mean, I think about this as well. Like, you know, um, a lot of like the internet culture revolves around the sort of high uh, hypergamy philosophy. A lot of women, um, talk about online like they need their man to be making like certain amount of money or else they're not they wouldn't even consider dating a guy who's not making like you know a very heavy yearly salary and so women by and like a lot of women are sort of duped into thinking that they need to have a very like rich guy and and i'm nothing wrong with a man taking care of a woman i'm all for it but in this day and age a lot of women, I think, end up being alone because they can't find that. And so they end up being on their own. They they get rid of a guy that could have been a good guy that was going to maybe, you know, build and do his thing. And, you know, it's like they end up alone. And I think this happens a lot. And, and of course, some women get taken care of full scale. But, like, you guys made your marriage work in this whole sort of world crumbling down with sort of no moral center it used to be like people would get together they get married there was no internet uh hopefully they, if they lived in a small town they only ever saw like three other people so they were like i guess i better stick with this one and in some ways it was way better you know like my grandma and grandfathers they they both stayed together forever because it's like what are they gonna do like go build again and i think this illusion of options i guess what I'm trying to say is this illusion of endless options really can mess up people and break them apart. And dudes, too. I mean, dudes are guilty of it as well, but uh, it goes both ways. What do you guys think of that, Eric and, and Colette? Both of you guys tell me how you made this whole thing work so maybe we can get inspiration for it. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's the <laughs> big, big question. Um, <laughs> how do we make this work? Well, I mean, I definitely think, you know, Kids were also the glue to a, a large degree at times. Um, but they can also blow you apart, dude. They can. They really can. Yeah. But both Eric and I, came, we were blessed to come from, both of our parents stayed together. That is a big one. <laughs> it is. It is. So there was kind of this example of that. But yet at times, though, you know, people also stay together when they shouldn't stay together because of, you know, fear of, you know, what things look like or failure of not staying together. So, I mean, there's no one path to right or wrong. Um, but 
You know, it's a really good question because there are times where it was, you know, it, it hasn't always been easy. That's for sure. <laughs> um, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, Jason. you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly, it's kind of, I think it blows our minds sometimes still that we are like, wow, we're still doing this. Like we're still. I think it's that you your know. parents all stayed together is a huge part. I think what you're yeah. raised in really just like it. it it really like makes a huge impact on your sort of later years that it's really hard to overcome for people. Yeah. And I think another thing it's, it was interesting hearing your perspective about, um, you know, the, how, how your perspective about women needing a guy making a lot of money, like that's one angle of things. And then it's also that women are making more money now too, and they're not as dependent on someone. And so therefore, they're also kind of like, well, I don't need you financially. So if this isn't working out, and if it's not fulfilling my needs, or what I want in a relationship, then I have the power and the control and I can survive on my own. So there's that aspect mm -hmm. as well, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a damn shame though, in terms of families, I think. I think it's better if they stay together personally, you know, or, yeah. or if, if they can. Like, you're, like you said, a toxic relationship is no good for anybody. Right. But, you know, but people go through toxic phases and if you can Absolutely. sort of work through it, you know, if, if if both people are willing to work through it. But anyway, 100%. let's talk a little bit more about mm -hmm. music because there's only a little bit longer. So you guys, are you working on a, a collaborative record together? That could be an interesting idea in terms of sort of um, keeping the dream alive while the kids are starting to fly the coop. Definitely. Yeah, we're getting ready to go uh, and do spend some time over at Buddha Land, which is uh, Shane Alexander's studio out here in Los Angeles, up in um, Agora. Agora. Um, he's got a great um, studio uh, that I went in and you know sort of hung out with him, and you know we vibed a little bit. So the plan is to go in there and you know just start doing some basics, you know, and, and try to get some groundwork laid, and then. Um, you know, definitely thinking along the lines of like a concept, you know, record. I mean, the, the dream would really be to sort of have, you know, sort of accessible songs like, you know, Stealing Fire that we just played with, you know, some of these healing concepts kind of woven into the fabric of the of, of the production um, and, you know, really be kind of, you know, mindful and, you know, think about what message you're trying to sort of deliver, you know, well, I think there's already mm -hmm. material along those lines. So it's just, it's picking and hashing it out and just, you know, trying it out. Because there's probably, what, about eight songs in this genre already originals that we have. Very metaphysical sort of themed and, um, you know, trying to sort of talk about the human experience and, you know, how the, how the metaphysical aspects, um, you know, kind of, feed into that and how music can help you know with that i heard it completely that way i like you said the idea is to have some sort of uh you know accessible songs that incorporated the healing arts with the healing art type of instruments that's exactly what you played for us today and i loved it michael hedges is also like a, a good 
thing of guy who put uh, the sort of healing arts with accessible yeah. songs. And there's yeah. some reminiscence of that. We've talked about him before. And that's cool. Shane Alexander, a TNT regular as well. That's cool. Yeah. You're going to go work with him. It's the TNT family out there. Okay, we got to go. Tell everyone where to find you real quick, Eric and Colette. And thank you for coming on the show. Oh, yeah, you can find us at www.hughthemuse.org. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Hugh the Muse. All right, got to go, everybody. God bless. Happy birthday, Eric. We'll see you soon. Keep listening to TNT. We'll be right back after these words.